0: Yo, from back in the day, this murder, death blues.
1: Sorry about that It's 9.30am on April 5th This episode should be out already but I'm retarded And I did not do an intro I didn't do a goddamn thing for the podcast over the past week It, it was, you know, crazy times, you know, before the holiday Hope everybody had a good Easter Maybe you've seen your family, maybe you didn't If you're still scared I mean, not scared, but playing it safe, you know what I mean But if you did, you know sure you're happy because Everyone's got to stay safe Stay healthy these days You can't see your family But it was a nice day so maybe you had a barbecue or something Anyways Tomorrow April 6th is when Actually when the D-Block album goes out Just so you know <clears throat> I think I don't know what happened with the date situation But uh, whatever Um uh, The shit comes out tomorrow. You can find it. It might just be on Bandcamp or Spotify or YouTube. It'll be fucking everywhere. Everybody will be sharing it. So you have no excuse not to listen to it, not to share it. If you don't, then you ain't cool. I'm just kidding. Any support for anything is always fucking awesome. Especially new and upcoming bands. They got a lot of hype behind them. They ain't going away. Oh, shit. Here they come. and also, this episode has my man Jimmy Dumont here from the OG punk rock fucking band from the 80s. Detroit hard shit. No, good sing-along music. Almighty Lumberjacks of death. If you're from Detroit, I'm sure you've heard of them. If you're not from Detroit, you may or may not have. Only... I hear if you read all the Thanks and shit and all the other albums, like the bigger bands that came out of fucking Detroit, you will see ALD mentioned or Almighty Lumberjacks of Death. That's because <clears throat> they're the shit. And they were all OGs, man. They've been around in the scene since it fucking started, basically. You know, the early 80s. I think uh, Jimmy said he came in just after, you know, Fucking negative approach and shit. We're, we're big, big. Something close to that. I think th- that. That was his first show. Negative approach. Black flag. and I think so the necros, but are you fucking kidding me? Imagine that shit. Back in the 80s. Early 80s. Nobody's ever even fucking hardly heard of this shit. And you go into a, you know... Some room in a basement of a bar and there's a little stage and they're fucking going crazy on stage. Screaming, fucking jumping off, and you push in, punching each other. Just chaos. Imagine if you you know, with your fucking disco shit or whatever, what was a whatever that was probably, probably the tail end of disco. I don't know. I wasn't around. But imagine you walked into that place either, you know, the freezer or somewhere down in the cast corridor into a hardcore show and fucking negative approach is ripping it on stage. And everyone's stomping around, pushing each other, slamming hard as fuck into everybody. Everyone's smoking, drinking, fighting, oh shit. You know, like it was all new. We're not that far separated from that. You know, forty years at best. But fuck, there's not that many generations in between, like hardcore. Like, it's still, still so young and new. I wonder if, like, the ancient, if it'll be like ancient music one day, a thousand years from now. Will anybody know who Negative Approaches or two thousand years from now? Will anybody know who Cold Is Life? Or Death Threat. Or Madball? Will there be any fucking recordings? Will they even speak the same language? <laughs> That's crazy. I'm fucking rambling. But uh, Jimmy Doom. He. Uh, has. Acted in movies. He's written poems. He's also written a book. It is called Humans Being. It is. 365 100 word short stories a short story a day for a year you can buy it on Amazon and uh, you can probably hit him up directly I don't know, man. obviously he's put a lot of work into it and he's you know, doing what he loves if anybody likes to read books I'd suggest getting it because he gave me a copy and I don't read daily but I'll pick it up and read five or six stories every now and then. Every couple days, I guess. But it's interesting. It's it's like, like, where the fuck did this come from? That guy's got a weird brain, but I like him. Anyway, buy his book or don't. Tell him, hey, please share this shit. Okay, everyone wants to like and this, that. You got to share it too, guys. I'd appreciate it. I'm not trying to be famous here, but... Everyone says, oh my god, other people need to hear these stories. Okay, well, they can't hear about it if they don't know about it. Thank you so much. I will talk to you guys soon. Um, like I said, share it or fucking tell your friends. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Fucking Jimmy Doom here. Um, The legendary Jimmy Doom. How about that? From uh, Almighty Lumberjacks of Death. Yeah. Fucking... Poet, author, actor, all of the above. I do a couple things. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, surprised
0: they let me out of the house after ALD, but um.
1: Yeah. So so what year did you start in um, ALD? You weren't the first one, right? The first singer. Yeah. In
0: in nineteen eighty seven, um, a guy named Danny Mason was singing for him. And he had to leave the band like Family Obligations or something like that. And uh they, uh, I knew Jeff Gordon, a drummer, the best out of all of them. I kind of knew the, the other two guys, but not very well, just from around. And uh, and Jeff said, hey, you want to be in my band? And I knew Jeff was really into, like, super, like, fast, thrashy. And I was like, I don't know, dude. That like just, like, wasn't exactly my thing. And, uh, and then I go to a party. And after Bookies, Bookies was, like, the second wave of bookies is my era. Okay. And after the bar closed, guy, Burt Bakker had a party and some bands set up and played. And I hear this band playing and I was like, damn, who the fuck is that? And and, and they go, Burt says, it's oh, that band you're not sure if you want to try out for. And I'm like, dude, I, w- I want to be in your band. And they're like, oh dude, we we're auditioning a bunch of people now, you know? And I was like, can I still audition? They said, yeah, and I auditioned, and I got it. Nice. Oh.
1: So how long were they a band before you uh, joined? Did they already have anything uh, recorded? They, they played nah? a couple
0: of gigs. Um, I think they opened for Uniform Choice, which is kind of hilarious because, you know, big beer-drinking band opening for a straight-edge band. <laughs> um, they, so they played a couple of gigs, maybe a couple house parties. And then I got in the band, and our first gig was, like, a Sunday night at Greystone, like that very tail end of the Greystone era.
1: Yeah, see, so you said 87 you joined? Yeah. I was maybe a month or two. old. I was born August yeah. of '87. So. Well, it was an all ages. Showed you weren't there. closer <laughs> no, fucking like, loser. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could have been
0: there, man. All ages
1: <laughs> didn't cut off I in know, six months. Man, I know. I have no excuse. That no wasn't excuse. there. No
0: excuse. <laughs> hey, mom, <laughs> can you drop me off?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, if a wheeler out of the fucking uh, hospital, drop me yeah, off. Right on. So the uh, Greystone, where was that at? That's on Michigan Avenue, um,
0: southwest side. Uh, What's the cross street? Uh, it's by Central. Okay, yeah, down in the um, hood there. Yeah, on I've the, heard of it on the north of side of the street. It's a laundromat now. Okay, it's like the Sunshine Laundromat <laughs> or some kind of crap like that. Jeez,
1: that fucking place! I kept
0: t- telling myself when I lived over there, I kept telling myself I was going to go in and just you know look around, but I, I never got around to doing it. But it was a it was a great place, you know, like so many great bands played there.
1: Yeah, I mean. But one of the most interesting thing about ALD is the name. What's the story behind that one? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to crack open ahead, my hippie man. pop yeah. when I tell this I feel story. You can pull that closer. Whatever's more comfortable for you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I hear you. That's still going. We're, we're good. <laughs> one man show, like I said. So, apparently,
0: the guys in the band hated this part of the story. But, like, the big dog got the idea for the name from a documentary about cutting down the rainforest. And, you know, it was like this big environmental thing. And then, you know, he didn't want people to know that because it sounded too hippie Right. But they called like the people that were mowing down the rainforest in Brazil. Somebody in the documentary called them the almighty lumberjacks of death.
1: Well, that's interesting. Yeah. That's good. It uh, just worked, man, yeah, and we
0: played with it and had fun with yeah, it. And,
1: it's punk as fuck though. But yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. it's total you of the yeah. ecosystem. I mean the meat men was already
0: <laughs> taken, so you know, we, we yeah. had to pick something. Yeah. They had to pick something.
1: Yeah, were you guys playing with them and shit too? Uh, the meat men? Never or? played with the meat no. men. Okay. No.
0: I introduced them once at uh uh Oh damn, what's the name of the club? Uh yeah, I introduced them once. I might have drank a beer or two, and my brain cells aren't exactly firing <laughs> on all cylinders.
1: It's all good, man.
0: Um, but yeah, I, w- I would have loved to play with them. But we played with the Exploited, um, Shit, yeah. Social Distortion, Murphy's Law, Gay Bikers on Acid, <laughs> suicide, <laughs> suicidal tendencies, GBH.
1: Fuck, man! Did you guys go on tour, or was it no? It, when when they like, all came through here, we were, we here, were yeah. really fortunate
0: that we had, knew people at St. Andrew's Hall and uh my friend melissa matuzak she just passed away from cancer and she was she was running the show at st andrews she was a mirror from st andrews the promoter's right hand person and she and i got to know each other and the exploited came to town and ald was playing like i said like sunday night at the graystone or going on first on a tuesday night at blondie's and uh she talked to Mir at St. Andrews into letting us open for the exploited. And, uh, that just changed everything for us, man.
1: Fuck yeah. I mean...
0: We recorded a, a live cassette at that show. And Cool Chris, the sound guy there, always took care of us.
1: Yeah. There's also a video there. Or, uh, fucking uh, black and white video, I think, yeah, that's on yeah, YouTube. That
0: was, uh, uh, Noir Leather paid for that. Okay. Uh, oh, A no guy no named shit. Vux Gonyai. Yeah. He, uh... He directed it as a noir leather commercial, and then just took the a bunch fuck? of extra footage. Yeah, yeah, we got lucky, man. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: like just like a leather company was one of their one of their people who knew you guys were. Or oh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean noir leather. I don't think a lot.
0: Certainly not now. But in the the late eighties, when there's only you know a couple venues and some of the DIY, DIY venues were closing. Noir Leather and Off the Record and Sam's Jams and, like, on, you know, on the west side or a couple other little record stores. But, like, that's where punks went to hang out. There's no fucking internet. So, like, <laughs> right. like if you wanted to meet new punks, oh, let's go to Noir Leather and hang out, like, on a Wednesday night. And you would just meet people from all over town. And Keith would support bands and, and uh, you know, like, help with flyers and that was just, it was like an epicenter of the scene because yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't some youth club, man. It wasn't breaking to electric boogaloo right. and there was no internet. And like, so that's, that's where you went. You want to meet new people. You want to find out about new bands, pick up some flyers and some new studs and new, new wristbands. That's where you went. That's fine. And uh, yeah, so that's, that was a place that kind of bred the the subculture
1: yeah because I mean so you you were in AlD 87 how long before that were you like into like the punk scene my, like- my first ever show was 82 It was
0: black flag ah uh, Black Flag, the Necros, a negative approach. What the fuck, at, uh, <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a legendary. Where was it at? Yeah, it was at uh, the old Clutch Cargo City Club, which is right around the corner from what's now the Fillmore. Okay, it's, it's um, like uh, Park and Elizabeth in the Cass Corridor. That's back in back in that day. It was like the 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 south end of the Cass Corridor.
1: Okay, and there was a,
0: a liquor store. And um like a really seedy bar, and then Vince Bannon had take the promoter, um, who was in a band called Coldcock, he took over what used to be the old women's city club. So like this hoity toity women's club for rich people in the city, and then the city falls apart after the sixty seven riots. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be down there.
1: Yeah, it's fucking crazy.
0: Comerica either. Park ain't there. Yeah, that's right? what I was
1: thinking. I was and, of, like, of Elizabeth, so that's like right down in the area. Yeah.
0: Like, and and yeah. now, you know, you see people going to concerts and sporting events, but it was a wasteland back then, <laughs> man. Yeah. Brandon, it, it, you know, yeah. what, what do you call it? Dope pavement and hookers? Yep. That's what it was. It, it it was just, it was desolate. And they took over this space that nobody wanted that had a, this tiny little stage and Black Flag played, and uh and when Brandon stepped on stage, like and this sounds like such bullshit, but it was my first show, and I went with my with my buddies that I grew up with, and we all went to high school together. And I just saw the energy coming off off Brandon, and go, I want to fucking do that, yeah. man. I really want to do that, but I like I didn't know how, you know. Yeah, I, like it was. And then, you know, of course, Henry Rollins, like, you know. And I'm not a energy. huge, yeah. huge fan of Henry Rollins. But that show, he steps on the stage, goes, hi, we're Black Flag. This one's called Rise Above. Boom. It's chaos. It was chaos during the NA and the Necro set. But it's chaos. And, like, within, before they even get into the chorus of Rise Above, I see this guy's head's just bleeding. And I'm like, <laughs> this is freaking intense i love this and the two things were my friends were like yeah that was that was cool man that was a lot of fun i'm glad we did that like in the past tense and i was like did it i'd like i got a stack of flyers i was like i will do this all the time and they're like yeah well black flag doesn't play every i'm like i don't care man i want to do this this is like this is my thing and then no shit that guy whose head was bleeding was dave landrum and I wound mm. up being his roommate in the cast corridor like a couple years later.
1: <sighs> Fuck man. That's a good first show though, because Oh yeah. This yeah. shit is like unheard of, you know, early 80s, you know. Yeah. That's and, 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 really, really underground, you know, like Yeah,
0: I didn't know who Negative Approach was. I had no clue. I knew who Black Flag was solely from the decline of Western civilization soundtrack. <laughs> that was it, man. You know? And then we go to the show. And then afterwards, we go out and we got, you know, every Black Flag record we could get our hands on.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. So, so how much longer was even a negative approach around after that? Not, not very long. Not very.
0: Know. It morphed, it like, not morphed, but John, you know, he started laughing hyenas. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't my thing, man. Like, I was still, it was I was still young and I, yeah, it was different. And, and it was weird because. And I, I think a lot of kids are like this. Like, negative approach was underground, and it was scary. Laughing Hyenas, as, as brutal as the music could be, like, all these magazines are blowing them. Oh, my God, Laughing Hyenas. It's the new rock and roll. This is it, man. This is, you have to be into this. And, that's, and that was just <laughs> something to rebel against. Yeah. You know, when... Spin magazine starts like sucking off a band. You don't. You don't want to like them anymore. Right, you're over you know? with it. Yeah, and I understand what Brandon was doing. He wanted to do something different. The guy's brilliant, but that just wasn't my thing. But then, it what's interesting is like after that, it, if you listen to Negative Approach, as fast as they are, they have melody. Yeah, there's melody in those songs. Yeah, it's and then sure catchy after them bands it got into and we would joke about it bands were having a contest see who who could play faster dri is doing an entire tour they're going 60 songs in 45 minutes (laughs) like they that's how they promoted their tour and all these bands wanted to be that now there's like good fast bands like ugly but proud but then there's a lot of just crap a lot of guys just put their hand on the neck of the guitar and went, <sighs> you know, you're, you're just like, okay, it's brutal, but it's not really a song. Right. And so ALD, we want to, we did want to go back to like something with melody and, and you know, like, you know, shoot me in the face, but pop hooks, not pop, but hooks, something it made something that was catchy enough that people would sing along and shit. Instead of just trying to play 9,000 miles an hour.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Like, it's hard. Like, because you're figuring out style, like, in the 80s, like, 87. Like, it's not really established, like, a hardcore or punk sound. And everybody... Yeah, there was... Like, uh, like, I was thinking about this on the way over here. Like, Negative
0: Approach is one of the greatest hardcore bands of all time. If not the greatest. Yeah. But... Hardcore was actually an adjective to describe their music. It wasn't like a separate genre then, right? Yeah, you were just a punk. You were just and and you would go see a band like Flipper, right? You like these artier bands and these out there bands and bands that you had to take acid to appreciate. <laughs> right? It was all part of a big thing, you know. And then the Descendants, who you know were basically a, a pop rock band with a punk edge. And it was all together. And then it started getting compartmentalized into hardcore and, you know, like all these different little sub genres. And, of course, right around then, I like, well, maybe 89, like there was the crossover thing where there's like metal bands that were playing thrashier punk style stuff. And then punk bands that were going metal suicidal tendencies to make a million dollars, you know and but when it when it started it was just bands were for lack of a better word punk i i think that i think the best way it's described um is uh the the speech about there's no such thing as new wave in the decline of western civilization soundtrack yeah yeah If no
1: enough familiar okay
0: look it up um uh, uh kickboy face from catholic discipline does this speech okay. about how there's different subgenres of music but it all it all goes back to punk and how new wave doesn't mean shit new wave was a polite way of saying something and and you know, hardcore crossover thrash death all that stuff the origins come out of punk rock.
1: Fuck yeah, yeah, and it's you know, what's interesting is even before punk, like you can even go back to the, like Iggy and the Stooges and shit like that. It's all, yeah, it was the, it's all that was. Yeah, it's all the embryo of punk. Whoa, whoa. that was
0: that was the wad of jizz <laughs> that landed in, in the in the ovary that, that right. birthed punk. That's a good way yeah, to put it it.
1: it. it really was. It's an like evolution, though, it's so fucking dramatic mm-hmm. in just over a decade. I think. You know, like yeah. from fucking Iggy or whatever, and then to negative approach and ALD. Then what do you got? I mean, yeah, they,
0: Iggy was obviously a huge influence on everybody. Mm-hmm. And even if you got into it before you knew who the Stooges were, looking back on it, you can tell that that's where that's where it came from. Yeah, so and, listen to it. And it. yeah, and then and then the whole deal with punk is you do shit the way you want to do it. You know, Brandon was heavily influenced by Cooper, but after Static, his first band, obviously Negative Approach isn't very much like Cooper at all. He did his own thing with the McCullough brothers, right? And and then with ALD, we did our own thing. Like, we could have just jumped in. We could have had seven shows a week if we wanted to play 9,000 miles an hour, right? (laughs) People would have, yeah, man, come play my show, come play my party, whatever. But we were playing slower, more melodic stuff, and people would, like, you know, fold their arms and get pissed. But then other kids are like,
1: okay, we've we've been waiting for this. Yeah. And it's just interesting how, like, people find their own lane, especially you guys, and fucking people go crazy for it. Like, you're still punk as fuck, just (laughs) a... Slight because different stuff. Know, the '80s was rough wrong. and crazy. Then uh, you know, no. yeah. yeah, you guys did your own thing and yeah. fucking made something if if really some unique. Band, and sound- if some
0: band was playing 9 million Miles an Hour" and they were loving it and they were singing about shit they wanted, I have no problem with that. Right? There was just so much of that in that era that we did feel like we were rebelling within the sub genre, the subculture, and and we did what the fuck we wanted to do. We had our own clubhouse on the West Side. We could we could play at four in the morning. We could start a show at four in the morning if we wanted to. We had bands <laughs> like want. bands like Inside Out and the Scraps, uh, and this band Degeneration, not the famous one. They'd come and play our clubhouse, and and just uh, Son of Sam played our clubhouse.
2: Damn,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask like, uh, what other local bands were you guys like? Said opening for like, bigger bands like what other. We we played always with played them. with the Feisies. Okay. It seemed like. Yeah.
0: Feisies, Scraps, Heresy, um, Ugly yeah, But heresy. Proud. I forget about that. And it man. was cool. So like, yeah, like, Ugly But Proud was more on the metal side. So if we got booked with a show that we didn't feel we were a good fit with, we could go to the promoter and Ugly But Proud and us would flop shows. Oh, yeah. We'd just go, hey, man, we're friends with these guys. They're friends with us we would rather open for this band and they would rather open for, like, Overkill. That actually happened. Like, we ended up opening for uh, Stormtroopers of Death and they they ended up getting booked with Overkill. Holy shit. Yeah, so... um, But, yeah, we played a a really memorable show at the Majestic, in the big room, on, like, a Tuesday night. We played with Son of Sam. And we are super excited to play a big room like that. There wasn't a ton of people there, but it was a good show. And I hold the mic down for kids to sing along. And the song guy was not used to punk rock and he cut us off. It was just all of a sudden the PA just goes dead. You know, but the amps are still playing, but the, the vocals are just dead. And I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, what the fuck? And he comes marching up onto the stage. He's like, you can't give my microphone to the crowd. Oh fuck you, I was, dude! It's punk rock, you know. Like fuck you. Turn the, <laughs> turn the thing back on. He's like, no man, it's dangerous for my microphones, and you you right. guys are done. And I go, hey man, you you need to turn that shit on now, right? And the motherfucker comes back, walks up to me, and he goes, dude, I used to mix Van Halen. <laughs> and I go. And they like you so much. You're mixing ALD and Son of Sam on a Tuesday night in Detroit. I mean, what the, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and then I threw the mic stand at him and got into a little bit of a rowdy thing. But it was a good show. It, it,
1: well, yeah, that's that's interesting. Because like, not knowing that, especially hearing that at the uh, Majestic Theater. Like, it was all right. the shows I've been to there. Yeah, that's yeah. fucking crazy. Because and
0: they like, had, you know, they had just started doing live music there. Yeah. Just become more than a bowling alley. And, you know, I love I love the Zania family, but back then they hired some guy who had just no idea what was going on.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing my father-in-law. He told me either the uh, majestic or fucking St. Andrews. He used to go there with his mom and see like a uh, like I think fucking like jazz shows or like swing and shit. Like, oh yeah, at those oh, places. Yeah. You know, and now I don't know if that happens anymore. That doesn't happen at the fucking St. Andrews. You don't think anymore. Like, well, I mean, you can rent it. Yeah, you could rent. Okay. I mean, you used
0: to be able to anyway. They'd have weddings there. They'd have weddings at the Majestic. You know, That's and, so crazy. And swing bands, it. and it's St. Yeah. Patrick's Day right now, and there's forever. You St. Patrick's Day, they couldn't book any kind of alternative show because Charlie Taylor, this old guy doing Irish standards, was yeah. playing. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, there is a there is a calmer, gentler uh, live performance history at both of those venues.
1: Yeah, fucking. And I didn't know. I mean, I've been to St. Andrews a million times, but I didn't know that place was fucking built in, what, 1910, 1908 or something crazy like that. I had yeah, no idea.
0: Yeah. Scottish Social Club, man. You know, yeah. people would emigrate to America, and and they would want to stick with their own little... Group, you know, there'd be language barriers. So there's all. Yeah, I mean, you look at Hamtramck. There's all kinds of Polish social clubs, and now Albanian social mm-hmm. clubs, and and in you know, in pre World War One America, people would come here to find their their fame and or their life or whatever it was, yeah. and they would stick with their own like ethnicity in a social way. And then obviously that branched out. We became more of a melting pot. But oh, yeah. um, in St. Andrews, in the, the what was like the green room, like the backstage area, because yeah. there's no real backstage behind the stage, was called the Burns Room. It was upstairs in front. And there was this beautiful oil painting of the Scottish poet, Robert Burns. And over the years, assholes and bands destroyed the thing. I mean, if it was still in pristine condition, it would probably be worth, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars. But, yeah, I mean, they were trying to show There was a piano. Mike from Ugly But Proud tuned the piano by hand in the Burns Room upstairs in St. Andrews. Damn. So we we knew, those of us who weren't complete assholes, I'm an asshole but not a complete one, had some respect for the people that had built the place
1: prior to it being a punk venue. A lot of history, yeah. Detroit, fucking music-wise, and and culturally too. How you said Scottish and shit like that, and all the Polish. Are you from Hamtramck or Detroit? Dude, I'm from the west side of okay, Detroit. West side, I'm Irish. kind of, yeah, I'm Irish. of Irish descent. Yeah, because I was reading something about. It. I just found an article. I don't know if it was just out recently or a while ago, but it was you talking about. Um, St. Patrick's Day was actually today, and the, yeah. and the parade and shit. You always know, had a lot to do with that, or yeah. just like, being well, that I, I
0: allowed to do with it. I've standing <laughs> yeah. on the side and get drunk, but like, um, I worked at Diamond Jim Brady's in high school, okay, and they would always have a float in the in the St. Patrick's Day parade, and you know, my brother was on the float a couple of times, and it was it was a big deal. You know, like the it, like that was a time to celebrate Irish heritage in Detroit, and then. It got and it wasn't ex- exclusionary, but then it got to be that big drunk and rowdy thing where everybody had a big green pin that said "Today I'm Irish," <laughs> you know. And you're just going, "Really, dude? Okay, yeah. you know, whatever. Your last name ends with an S K I, but that's cool." <laughs> and uh, you're right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it was it was not a big event. It, it, like it, it was a fun event, and it was a big deal, and you look forward to it and everybody got drunk, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Irish kids first learned to drive driving their parents home <laughs> from the parade when they were just completely hammered.
2: I guarantee it.
0: And uh yeah, so um yeah, but then it became just a a drunken Oh yeah. Well, orgy. Up and down Michigan Avenue. Yeah. And, and and great for the bars, great for the neighborhood, great for the city. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, we miss it, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, it sucks because It didn't happen last year, did it? No. Okay, because I don't remember. Yeah. If it was that's when I realized. Oh, this is real, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're not having the St. Patrick's Day parade. I'm, I'm in a pool league in Hamtramck, and when they shut down the pool league, I was like the one bitching. I wasn't like denying there's a, a virus, but I was like, oh, we can still play pool, dude. And then they and then they got rid of the the St. Patrick's Day parade, and I was like. Oh fuck
1: <laughs> that's, a, a, that's a
0: lot of money To be cutting out of the, the economy This must be a, the real deal So
1: God Fucking year later though It's weird Like two St. Patrick's days You can't do shit You know Yeah
0: Didn't see it coming
1: No It's it, It's weird It's fucking crazy It's still Still holding us down But
0: yeah, Whatever We're living I'm sure people are getting hammered anyway Oh you they fucking better be in, Yeah
1: Yeah Whatever happened to uh, saying fuck it, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: They're, they're, just, they're saying fuck it a lot of y- places. Yeah. Yeah,
1: man. I'm surprised. Well, these are no shows or anything that I know about. People aren't getting that crazy, you know, for doing like, underground things. and.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen some parties and some, you know, little gigs here and there. Yeah.
1: But... Everyone's playing it cool for now, huh? What's that? I so said everybody's playing it cool for now, huh? Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. Uh, you know, and good for them, really. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. kill somebody. No, no, um, Bob, who was in Son of Sam, just died of COVID.
1: Oh, shit. He's a
0: chef in New York. And he just, and that shit just killed him. Fuck. You know, OG Detroit punk. And, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a real fucking thing. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Both and, my answers. And I it.
0: understand that people want to rebel against it or people don't trust the government. I don't right. blame them for any of that. Yeah. I really don't, you know, but- don't take a chance yeah and i i don't want to take a chance but if you know if somebody can rent a hall and wants to have a fucking show and they did okay man i i don't agree with you but i'm also not gonna go oh you're the biggest asshole on earth you know no yeah. like like i seriously don't agree with you <laughs> but but if you want to do that i can't tell somebody not to fucking rebel against authority right
1: it's it's the way it is for now Fuck, yeah man, it's scary but, um, well, shit, what else? What else? We got St. Patrick's Day. Um, <laughs> you got a book out. I got a book uh, out. When did you, for how long did it take you to write a book? 365 page book. It's um, humans being. Well, some of those <laughs> weren't for a book, they were just like, oh,
0: I'm gonna write some shit. And then I saw a publication online that was publishing exclusively 100 word stories, publication out of Australia. And I was like, wow, I think I wrote a 100-word story. I found it in my files. I've always liked to write. Like when I showed up to audition for ALD, I brought a notebook full of lyrics. And one of the first things they said to me, if not the first, was like, dude, what's in the notebook? Hmm. And I go, lyrics? And they go, you write lyrics? <laughs> and I was like, well, you asked me to sing in your fucking band, didn't you? You know, And they're like, well, we asked you to audition. I'm like, well, here's some lyrics in case you want to look at them. And Devil Girl was in that notebook. It's on the first record. And uh, so I've always liked to write. So I started writing these 100-word stories. And then um, I was writing for a publication called Medium. And they cut the pay, which sucked. But then after they cut the pay... They tried to explain it to us like we were little kids. Well, it's not a pay cut. It's a reconfiguration of the algorithms for the overall compensation. I'm going to suck my ass. It's a fucking pay cut. So I tried to explain to them how their math was wrong. And they're like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, we, you know, this is the way it works now. I go, okay, I'm going to write a 100-word story every day for a fucking year. And we're going to look at that engagement versus – one 36,000 word article we'll see how many more eyes saw my three hundred word stories. so i sat i set out to do that with and i had an editor named dasha paler a woman who lives in canada she helped me with it and we're like we're gonna do this once a day for a year then medium screwed up again they changed their terms of service and i was like i'm out i am done with these people and Dasha's was like you still have to do this. You got to put out a book. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'll put out a fucking book. And, and she's like, really? You're going to stick with it. I, yeah. And so I wrote this thing in about eight months. So, I mean, some days I wrote one story, some days I wrote like four or five and all exactly a hundred words, just because it was a, a challenge. Dude, that is a challenge. You, know? you have yeah.
1: to f- take out words and add words to m- have it make sense. Or Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. once, once I got in a groove, like, if I started a story, I would know in twenty-five words like this ain't gonna be a hundred-word story, yeah. and I'd set that idea aside, or I'd finish it and just set it aside as a five-hundred-word story, you know, or whatever—a word, thousand words, twelve hundred words—and then, but the ones that I knew I could fit in a hundred words, usually they would come in at about a hundred and six, and you trim an and, a but, a that—all these words that don't really that aren't necessary. It's fat. Yeah, just fat. Exactly, exactly. Bingo. Fat. Trim the fucking fat and make it a good story. And that's what I hope I did. I mean, it's really got. It's got one hundred and twelve, hundred and sixteen five star reviews on Amazon. Holy shit, man! If forty of those reviews are people kissing my ass because they know me, that's great. But that's still like you know, like seventy other people that read this book and think it's worth five stars.
1: That's Fuck! it's an accomplishment like whether you know it was you know a f- top seller or f- nobody looked at it that's well, I, mean, I mean he wrote a book had it fucking published that's yeah. not easy I published it myself okay, so? it's totally DIY oh it's, well you man. know no that's... it's like yeah
0: i, I you know I'm fortunate to have technology where you can print on demand. So I didn't have to, like, go to a printer and order 7,500. Oh, yeah. You know? I, yeah. I just get these printed as people order them. and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So does Amazon do that for you? Because I know they used yeah. to fucking print books.
0: Yeah. And suck- I didn't want to deal with them. Yeah. I mean, when we were working class kids, I was serious about it. I care about working people in America. And Amazon treats their employees like shit. Yeah. Last week, because they're trying to unionize in, in Bessemer, Alabama. No shit. I... Last week, I wouldn't advertise my book. I, I wouldn't have brought it on here, but they, they did the, the like boycott for the week, and I honored it. And um, it, hopefully it does something, and hopefully they get to unionize. So I didn't really want to go to Amazon, but it truly was the difference between having a book or not having a book. And I put eight months of my life into it during a pandemic and I, I, and I owed it to my editor and I owed it to everybody else to, to finish the fucking book, you know? So I did. And, you know, and I, I appreciate the fact that Amazon makes it affordable and it's democratic. The process is democratic the process is open to anybody. It's not hard to get your book on Amazon and there's not a lot of money up front to do it. I mean, I think pretty much anybody could do it, and I, um, but I just wish that Amazon would treat their people better, you know? That's all. Yeah. You don't drive a truck for Amazon, do you? No. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. For fucking, um, at least it's a unionized company. I work for a contractor for uh, GM. We just, just move parts from distribution centers up to, you know, whatever manufacturing plant I delivered to the uh, Romulus uh, engine plant. Nice, yeah. Nice. It's, hey, man, it's a
0: job. You're a working class kid. Yeah, yeah, man. It got it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's blue overalls plugged. and name tags. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the douchebag who just quoted his own lyrics.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not your average uh, fucking truck driver. Like you see the hysteric, stereotypical, you know, idiot with fucking suspenders and flannels. There's not many of those out yeah. there anymore. Hey, there's nothing wrong with flannel. <laughs> I know. It, it did good for Ald. No, but you know those yeah you're right, you're right. So, so what are the stories about all different types of shit? I yeah. mean, you got three hundred sixty five 100 word stories I didn't have I didn't, have, I didn't have the
0: title until after I was just about done with the book. and when I was writing on medium, like I, I mean there's a lot it's a lot of stories that are set in bars, a lot of stories that are set in not great economic conditions. But there's stories set in, like, the gay community. There's stories set in churches. Stuff that's not necessarily part of my, like, personally part of my life. Right? But stuff that I've been around. Right? Stuff that I've observed. Um, There's music. A lot of, you know, street musicians. Panhandlers. um, Relationship shit. Just wherever I could, like wherever I thought I could find an interesting story. Now I'm going to do an experiment, if you don't mind. You go ahead. Because people have asked me to read passages, read stories from the book. Sure. And I'll pull one open. I will just start reading. And almost always I pull one out that's a downer. Ah. And I, the book is not totally a downer. Okay, I can't read The Cure because co read The Cure for my YouTube channel. So I'm not going to uh, co-from-the-dirt-bombs. And Cohen the knockouts. Okay. And Jay Jay Navarro read one on my YouTube channel.
1: I did see that one, yeah. I seen a few people read them. All right, let's try this one. I don't even remember writing it. Um
0: <laughs> it's called Spark Plug. Laura sat in the car, Jones in for a cigarette. Phil peered into the engine, pretty sure it was a spark plug issue. Jones in for a cigarette. Laura was convinced he was only helping because he wanted to have sex with her. Phil pulled the bad spark plug thinking, she's never going to have sex with me. He ran up to car town and bought her spark plugs and stopped for smokes. She gave him back way more money than spark plugs and cigarettes cost. This is way too much, he said. No, Laura said, in many ways, it's worth every damn penny. Oh. It's just you know, yeah. A little encounter, a guy who wants to bang a girl, and he fixes her car, and she figures it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that kind of
1: thing. That's cool. Just though. like a little it, it, chunk just, of life. Yeah, just a month. little, just a little peek into somebody's you know, one hour of their life. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I think people are one. digging read it. Another one. Can you read another uh, one? yeah, sure, sure. Uh,
0: um. Wine. <clears throat> Marcella's friends warned her he, he drank too much. She glanced at the wine bottle in the ice bucket, smoothed her dress, and checked the time on her phone. He was seven minutes late. He couldn't possibly get too drunk on half a bottle of wine, and she considered drinking more than her share. He was a brilliant attorney, the best-looking man in all of Bay City. If he drank that much, he'd be bloated and glo- gross, right? She was tempted to start drinking without him. She heard brake screeching, and her mailbox flew through her dining room window. <laughs> so, my man, I don't know, do I have to explain it? So my <laughs> man showed up drunk and blasted her mailbox. Jesus her fuck! Window.
1: And in Bay City too. That's that's pretty specific.
0: Yeah, you know, like, yeah, but I figured there's probably base cities around the U.S. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, for sure there
1: has to be, but um, in Michigan Bay City. So. Yeah,
0: I shot a movie in Bay City, and uh, we shot um, uh, in a motel that the uh, Michigan Department of Corrections rents as a place for prisoners when they're getting out to assimilate them back into society. Hmm. And the guy that we rented the hotel room from, he had a vacancy because one of the tenants had gone back to prison. He'd done something while he was out and they arrested him and threw him back in Jackson. And we go into this shitty little hotel room in Bay City. And my man had a cat. This is one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, this guy gets out of prison, gets himself a little cat. He's got this little cat dish with food in it. He's a little kitten. And then he gets thrown the fuck back in prison. And this Mm. little cat's got nobody, man. That's That's my That's my Bay City memory. (laughs) Fuck. The movie was called Fierce Tears.
1: Fierce Tears. And
0: uh Mason Hydre played my son, and then Mason Hydra ended up playing a cop in Batman versus Superman. Oh shit. Yeah, and we're in uh um we have a film coming out this year called Ash and Bone where uh we don't play relatives, but we're both in the movie.
1: That's cool. So how'd you get into acting from fucking punk rock to acting? You're
0: fucking reckly. Just fucking reckley from punk rock i got into acting <laughs> we were playing in saint andrews walked off the stage and a guy goes points at me he goes hey man you guys are really good and i go thanks dude like you know whatever like hey thanks yeah. and i keep walking he goes come here man and i was like okay what and like murphy's law is getting ready to go on or social distortion i can't even remember who you would think i would but and uh I walked back to him, and I was like, yeah, and he goes, I wrote a movie, and there's a character who's a singer in a band, you're a singer in a band, I want you to play a singer in a band in my movie, and I just go, oh, dude, I wanted to be an actor ever since I was a little tiny kid playing on the monkey bars, thinking I was Randolph Mantus from Emergency. <laughs> Half the people probably don't even know that reference, but it was this like, really popular show with these two EMTs. Okay. And uh, so... I was like, dude, that's so cool. You offered me to be in a movie, but I, I don't have any acting experience. My parents never couldn't afford acting camp or anything like that. But thanks for asking, dude. And and he's like, No, man, I'm dead serious, man. I want you to be in my movie. His name's Kevin King And uh and I was like, Dude, I would love to be in your movie but I'm trying to tell you I have no experience And he goes, Don't worry, bro, I'll I'll show you what to do And I was like, For real? And he goes, Yeah, man. I want you to be in my movie. And I go, you, you promise you won't get mad at me if I suck. And he's like, I won't get mad at you and you're not going to suck. And he, and I did his movie called whatever happens is good. And I got cast. Or then I ended up auditioning. He recommended me to another guy. And then I got my girlfriend pregnant. Um, Couldn't do the movie thing anymore. And this was pre-internet. And, you know it was hard to find auditions in Michigan it ain't hollywood it ain't new york right it ain't even chicago so um then had kids got divorced went to work at american axle got laid off at, from american axle and my girlfriend i just pissed off the world i tried to get ald back together that didn't work i'm really mad and my girlfriend suggested that i go back to audition and long story short, I found a fucking audition that day. The day that my girlfriend suggested it, I found an ad for a uh, open audition at Motion Picture Institute.
1: Wow. That's fucking crazy. Like acting must be scary. Like just no? Nah. It seems like it'd be scary. I don't even like these fucking now, cameras. You know what's scary? My I'm, first like, show. The microphone. pit
0: the pit at my first show, I was like, Somebody's gonna fucking die <laughs> in it. Oh, yeah. And hey, the necros and and, yeah, yeah. and, and, and Black flag. Yeah. I'm like, somebody's gonna seriously fucking die. It was chaos. Like that that was scary, but camera can't hurt you, man.
2: Yeah, I know it doesn't you know? move.
0: And it, it ain't the stage either. You if you if you blow a line, you get a second take. You, you know? there's yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Well that's also. I mean, but here's the funny <sighs> thing. I I am afraid of heights. So I'll tell a director up front. I'll go, Hey man, I'll do fast speed in the car. I'll do fire. I'll do. I'll do fight stunts. You can beat the fuck out of me. I don't care about any of that. But I'm afraid of heights. And they go, okay, dude. Thanks, for telling us up front. That's great. Like three days later, oh, we decided the scene would be much better on the roof of this building. Mm. And I'm like, dude, I just told you I'm afraid of heights. And like, I swear, like at least sixty percent of the time, <laughs> they find a way to give me a height.
1: Fuck. Yeah. We've I mean, been. In a shit ton of. Movies. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't even know you had an IMDb. I'll be honest. Like, I was like, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? How many movies have been like at least um, 15, 20? more than that? No, I got, I got over forty on my oh, IMDb. Uh, okay, all right.
0: And that doesn't count like some of the the uh, music video, a lot of student film that I've done. It just never makes it to the IMDb level, but they're so fun, really fun to do.
1: Oh yeah, you get experience too. I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, it's yeah, it's like uh, there's. I could be sitting home on my sofa with my dick in my hand, or I could be doing a movie. I don't, you know, would I like the movie to do well? Of course we all would. But if the movie doesn't do well, I'm still on a movie set and and there's really nothing better. Yeah. I mean, it's a different rush than being on stage playing in a band, you know, but I couldn't see myself being like Jay Navarro and being in nine bands at once. (laughs) Like that takes a a different kind of brain than I have. But so it's just, yeah, I, I love it. man. And, you know, getting, getting into somebody else's head and getting to do shit that you wouldn't normally get away with. I just did a movie where I destroy the shit out of a room. I'm not going to give you any more details than that, but I get to break shit, like, insanely. Like, where they were afraid shit was going to fly and, like, cut me in the <laughs> eye, that kind Damn. of shit. And, uh, yeah, it's a blast, man. It's a blast. And uh, I got to work with some Legends David Carradine Oh shit um, yeah. yeah Ray Stevenson Beats the fuck out of me And Kill the Irishman That was yeah. great
1: Yeah that's what I was gonna say That's yeah. one of the most To me that I recognized first yeah. Was uh, Kill the Irishman You know So how was it being on set With all those for People Like did you even like talk Like Steve Shrippa Or any of those guys oh, Or or you know Christopher Walken Were they
0: Shripa? Hanging out Okay This is real And you you can You can look at Photos of this. Lenny from Speed Cult is in that scene. Uh, uh, Corky, guy from the Detroit punk scene forever, is in that scene. All these like old punks and Oh, Ron Sikowski from the Necros is in that scene. No shit. Ron is now in Negative Approach. <laughs> yeah. I said the Necros. That shows oh, you how far oh, I go back. <laughs> but yeah, everybody would know him from the Negative Approach yeah. now. And yeah, him and Andy Krieger, um, who is in a band called the Herbies, are pouring fake booze over Bridget Redman, who oh, uh, uh, she's the GM at the Majestic. She's the girl in the bathtub. So there's all these people I know in this scene. And there's a planned cut. When I hit the ground in the fight scene, that's always a cut. And then they adjust the cameras and then we start shooting again. So I know all these people, I know wardrobe people, I know makeup people, all these people I've basically grown up with, right? I hit the ground, and they say, cut. You know who walked over and helped me up every time? Steve fucking Sharipa. It's a time he's got the biggest TV show in the nation. He's, he's on The Sopranos. It's the biggest deal. He could have gone and sat down in a chair, smoked a cigarette, had a fucking margarita if he wanted to. But every time he walked over and he and he helped me up. Great work, brother. Great work.
1: That's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Just because yeah. before any of that, like he was just what like a like a talent guy in Las Vegas. Then yeah, he just started yeah, he just a, yeah.
0: Like a fixer and a door guy. Yeah. You know, fuck. Yeah, man. it's uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to do it, you can do it. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but. I people tell me every year, oh, I really want to give acting a try. And I'm like, well, you've got to start, you've got to go to an audition. Yeah. And yeah, and (laughs) it's not, it, I mean, it's brutal. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of rejection, man. You know, there really is. They like, but the times when you're not rejected, the times when you're cast, it makes it worth, totally worth it. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, and not just trying, huh? And, and, yeah, it's great to work with famous people like Steve Sharippa, you know, and David Carradine. David Carradine was great. Mark Ruffalo was great, except our scene in Now You See Me got cut out. Um, Brooke Shields was great. Um, but there's a ton of other really, really good local actors, you know. And a lot of people are just into local bands, right? Yeah. They're just into against the grain and they're just into cold as life although cold as life is a little bit bigger than just a local band but there's actors like that man. there's actors that are really really good at what they do and they're not household names and being on set with them is just as much fun as being on set with a famous person you know oh yeah like it's just it's like a little diy community And if you watch enough independent film, you can pick out actors that you like. And they're only one break away from being that household name. You know? It's for so um, people, though. Look at uh, uh, Hauser. The, the, um, he's in uh, Black Klansman. He's in... Uh, oh, um, yeah. He's in the, uh, the I, Tanya movie. Right? He's just a cat from Saginaw, man. It, they got a break. You know, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, it he's takes good. One.
1: It takes one, and then you're fucking yeah. noticed. That's so-
0: yeah, so I encourage people, if you're into DIY local fucking music, you know, if, if you're into Busby Death Chair as a band, you can watch a lot of independent film and be into these actors who do a really good job locally in Detroit.
1: You know, I don't know there was that much like uh filming going on around, around the city like all the time. The only time I remember is when it was like a it was like in the news like maybe the past like decade or so they started talking about like uh these studios coming here and shit. Yeah, there was a film tax incentive. Okay, uh, is yeah. that what it was? Cuz yeah, I remember state, it was like a rush the, to Michigan for them mm-hmm. to like start filming shit. The
0: state gave an incentive. They got up to 37% of their production costs off the top of their bill. And people didn't like that. They're like, oh, Jack Nicholson doesn't need a tax break, man. Michigan needs that money. They don't understand. Hundreds and hundreds of people were showing up, eating every day from Michigan catering companies. And then when, when you cut for the evening, they're going out to dinner at Michigan restaurants. And the one True. thing nobody ever took into account, be a production assistant in the morning, got 200 guys on the crew, Electricians, lighting guys, painters, carpenters, uh, all kinds of men, men, women, all over the place doing work. And a production assistant would come around and get a list. What's the most heavily taxed thing, product, in the state of Michigan, other than gasoline? What's the most heavily taxed product? Liquor? Cigarettes.
1: Cigarettes, yeah.
0: So they're getting like 110 packs of cigarettes for the crew. A production assistant is going on a run and coming back with boxes of fucking cigarettes every day on every film. I still get a a residual check from Kill the Irishman. Not a big one anymore. I used to get a pretty decent one. But I still get about, you know, like every two months I get like 37 bucks or something. Cool. And the state of Michigan still takes their cut out of that check. Yeah, 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 There's yeah, still they a want fucking their $4. line there. <laughs> yeah. So if we still had films shooting here, the state would still be getting that revenue. But yeah. they got rid of it. They got rid of Age of Ultron. They sent Age of Ultron packing. Huge Marvel movie. Uh, uh, you know? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And It was weird. They were doing all the fucking Transformers and shit like that. Yeah. That is just yeah. up and out of town again. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. weird. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> yeah for, but you, you know of, and people are like lots of jobs you're right man yeah. a lot of people involved in just the whole fucking yeah. uh, economy you got, of you got movies.
0: electricians that were on unemployment because auto plants weren't using them yeah and they go from taking money from the state which they rightfully deserve for unemployment right to paying into the system because now they're employed on a movie for fucking three weeks yeah. it made sense you yeah. know it, it did but people didn't want it but I wasn't going to quit. I know people who quit. Oh, tax incentive went away. I'm going to go get my real estate license. What are you going to do, Jim? I'm going to still be an actor. And they're like, you're going to starve. I'm like, maybe, but I'm not going to quit. Yeah. So I didn't quit. And I'm still doing movies.
1: Yeah. Doing what you like, too. Yeah. And that's what life is all about. That's what
0: fucking punk rock is all about. That's (laughs) hardcore. Do what you want, man. man. You know, I get it. You know, you, you have a child or something you have to support. I, I get that. You know, there are responsibilities. I understand everybody can't live in a squat and, like, do mushrooms every day. <laughs> but if you maximize doing what you like, because one day you're going to wake up and you're 75 fucking years old, you know, you, you better have spent a lot of that 75 years as much as you possibly could doing what the fuck you want. So that's what I do. I write books. I, you know, I, yeah. It, I, it, I do movies. It, it, like, it, it, it's a little more complicated than that, but I think anybody can do it. Jay Barrow would tell you that. Steve Kras, if he was still here, would, would tell you that. Steve Kras managed a fucking phone room, but he was the front man of the Feisty Cadavers. The, the phone room was like, okay, I got to go do this to pay the bills. But when I punch out outside that phone room, I, I'm not like some guy who's going to sit in a it's some hoity bar you know trying to pick up some girl yeah I managed a phone or no was a fucking singer in a punk rock band because yeah. he wanted to
1: fuck yeah I, that phone room you talk about the one that Jay was talking about yeah yeah, yeah capital communications <laughs> capital man. communications yeah did you work there too or no? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, fuck. Fuck. Yeah, we all did, man. I couldn't imagine yeah. a group Ke- of fucking heathens. Keith from SPLC, Ron Beauty from Coldest Life, uh, Randy Cole from the Meanies, Steve Crass from the Feisty Cadavers, Dougie Toms, who, you know, <laughs> oh, who yeah. ran the show for, for CTYC, all those guys, man. And, it was, it was, and, and we're all getting on the phone going, hi, ma'am, this is Tom Van Horn. Michigan Association of Police. How you doing today? Great to talk to you.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> like, fucking you know, And there's two just
0: like fucking purple mohawks and neon green liberty spikes trying to convince some like some lady in, in e course that they're a fucking cop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they still call those people still call these days. Um I don't know exactly that. It's some fu- police association. They call my phone. I don't know if it's has anything to do with that, but Oh,
0: yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, you know, scammers. police, yeah. firefighters. Oh, yeah.
1: What a horseshit is this?
2: Steve Craig, where going with that? Steve Craig, Kras-
0: well, they have these little magazines that are for, like, the. If you're a member of that union, I don't want to say it's a scam, but it's a. <laughs> there may be some money that, you know, sort of oozes out of the system into other places. I mean, <clears> he, <throat> like, good people there are making 400 bucks a week, oh, yeah. man. You know? Other people were working at Punk Rocko Bell, making fucking hundred, taking home one hundred and ninety, and there's guys in the phone room that are making four, five hundred.
1: Fuck it, man. Yeah,
0: it was. We had a lot of fun.
1: Where's that at?
0: Uh, right off ninety six. Okay. Yeah.
1: It was for some, for some local people, you know. Yeah, man. It was, it was like, sure if a lot you, of people would know like, about
0: it. If you walked into that office, you know, you would just go, "What in the fuck is going on here?" You know, these guys like. You know, half hungover from the night before. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, seriously, you could have picked everybody up on the carpet and dumped them in blondies, and then it would have made way more sense. <laughs> like, everybody you saw in blondies the night before would be in fucking, in capital pitching. Hi, I'm a cop. You know, you oh. couldn't come out and say that, but
1: yeah. Yeah. So, shit. So, so, you had mentioned, or were you saying, like, you grew up on the west side, like... Well, whereabouts on the west side, because it's I not many white off. people around that area was there then when you grew up. I mean, like I'm just saying, like that's, I yeah, I mean I, tough it, neighborhoods. Yeah,
0: they, I mean, I I grew up everywhere from kind of shitty neighborhoods to, yeah. for a minute, my stepdad had a good job and we were in Rosedale Park for a couple of years. Okay, you know, I was west of Outer Drive. I wasn't, you know, but yeah, we had a, a nice little crib, but. I lived on Prevost and Four, like Gre- Green Greenfield and Grand River. Yeah, yeah, I don't know and, uh, exactly. What I, you're I, about. I in high school, I worked at Diamond Jim Brady's at Seven Mile and Prest. like so Seven in Greenfield. Mm-hmm. I would walk home hood, in high man. school, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But it was Detroit, and I loved it. It was my, you know, yeah, it was my hometown, and it, like I, I knew people, and yeah, I got my boy ripped off, whatever, you know. Right. Like you, you could sit there and tell stories. But you could tell that story in any town, man and there, and man. i and i'm so f- I, I feel fortunate i grew up in, De- in in detroit you ask me doing movies is scary no a fucking camera ain't scary a, a crew a casting director ain't scary you know I, like i i grew up in detroit i knew you know my best friend got shot and killed when we were fucking 16 years old yeah yeah john williams that's crazy yeah. and uh and you know so As much as that sucked, I see people now that that grew up in a cul-de-sac in fucking Clarkston and their grandma dies and they can't go to work for three fucking days, right? (laughs) Like, I I, I appreciate the negatives with the positives. And there were positives. I could get on the Grand River bus and go down to St. Andrew's (laughs) Hall when I wanted, right? You know, Warrendale... Warndale was just about walking distance from Greystone Hall, you know? And then you could have a club like the Hungry Brain in Delray where you had like 115-year-old kids drunk out of their mind and you had the Iron Coffins next door keeping a watch on the place, you know? And like Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, it was a, great, a great place to grow up. And yeah. 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 I mean, it's got a it's got a weird reputation, but it's a great city for yeah.
1: sure. Yeah, and I mean, where we are now, we're only maybe two miles from Detroit. But I grew up like. It's like Ten blocks north, just off Southfield and Fourth Street, and like mm-hmm. being so close, it was easy access to, yeah, you know, get right. into mm-hmm. shit. Or you know, like you said, I can take the I'm um, on uh, the uh, 125 bus, man, fucking right down to St. Andrews, and you know, like you know, I'm a little bit out of the city, but there's a, s- still a lot to get into and yeah, see. And the, easy uh, yeah, and I
0: mean, the some of the greatest punk rock shows ever were in Warren at the Motor City Roller Ring. <laughs> Iggy Fuck. Pop, The Clash, and The Ramones. Within, like, two months at Shit. Motor City Roller Rink. Yeah. Fuck. So did you go to all of them? I went did none of them. Uh, I was too young. Oh, uh, okay. A little yeah. bit before your time. Yeah, before my time. Yeah. And I, like, I I, regret not seeing that class show. I saw him at Grand Circus. That was, that was a great show. That was the one where... Strummer basically invited the crowd onto the stage and like 300 kids took them up on that offer and bouncers are throwing people around and they gave train tickets to kids backstage. They had their management go around and say, Hey, like go to this hotel room. I'll get you a train ticket because the the, uh, bouncers here roughed you up and you can come to New York and see the show in New York. Fuck. Yeah. A bunch of kids did, man. I was oh, not yeah. one of them, but...
1: <laughs> no, no, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Did you ever see the Ramones, ever?
0: Man, I don't have big regrets about being a drunk. I was just a drunk. I don't drink anymore, but I was a drunk. I had a lot of fun, but the Ramones played tracks, and I was so fucking annihilated, I mm. barely remember the show. Damn, like I, I, like I know I got kicked out just for drunkenness. I don't think I did anything. I don't think I got in a fight. I just think they went. This kid's underage. He's obviously inebriated. We don't need him in the in the bar anymore. Yeah, and I just like, I just like sat glumly against the outside wall, just fuck. drunk and yeah.
1: Man, like with all the acts coming through here, you know, like Detroit. It was a pretty good scene. So, still today, all the hardcore and punk bands still come through here. Could you, could you point out one of your favorite, favorite f- punk shows that you probably witnessed in oh, all the wow. years are going? Say like, uh, you know, early nineties. Oh like, my god! There's who's so, around, man? So
0: many. Um, you know, like, it, as far as, as far as performance wise. Like, like or like um, your
1: favorite bands, like a group of bands that could have been the all star lineup of your fucking punk rock career. Um, they people bag on them
0: a lot, but when Social D first came back, and um, like, I guess it would have been the Prison Bound tour or just pre Prison Bound at Blondie's. They were really fucking good. I mean, they really were, and I know people love to just rip on them, but. Um,
1: like haters, her- heresy
0: them. would always be intense. It would always be an event, you know. Yeah. Even though you knew them personally, like you'd be having a beer with Tim and, and and Ruben, but then they'd get on stage and there was just that, just that power, just that steamroll. Um, uh, Guar was is really good. Guaro is. Oh, yeah. seeing them for the first time and going, and people would talk about them. But, like, there was no internet, right? So you had right. no concept. And then they come on stage, and they're wearing these weird <laughs> costumes, and you kind of go, all right, this is pretty gimmicky. But then they rip, you know, they oh, yeah. just, like, completely destroy. Um, being in the crowd, like, fun experience, not a good concert. Gigi Allen at Blondie's. Ugh. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, it turned yeah. into a riot. And, uh, yeah, I had... Uh, I had gotten in a fight at the shelter the night before. So I had stitches in my head. I We had opened for Murphy's Law, and I stage-dived. And when I was getting stitches in my head. They're taking me to get my head x-rayed, and I'm limping. And the nurse says, have you always had that limp? I was like, "Nah, I fucked my hip up tonight. So they they uh, x-rayed that, and I end up having a, a hairline fracture of the hip. <clears throat> So I'm like on a I got my head all bandaged up and I'm and I'm using a cane and Rosie from Blondie's is like, No, Jimmy, you're not going in the pit. Sit on the bar. So I'm <laughs> I'm as close to the door as you can be, sitting on the bar, minding my own business, just there to see the show. Gigi hits Johnny Lunchmeat from SBLC's girlfriend with shit. <sighs> Johnny runs over grabs my cane and chases Gigi backstage with my black cane. <laughs> all he remembers the next day is somebody tried to kill him with a cane. Who was the guy with a cane? So somebody goes, Jimmy Doom, because they had seen me with the cane. Oh shit. I didn't I wasn't chasing him. Johnny was chasing him. And he's like, I want a bounty on that guy's head. So there's all these like left wing, like Gigi Allen loving oh, punk rock kids from Ann Arbor that wanted to kill me for Gigi Allen and they would come to she said this one chick in particular she's like six two she told people i'm gonna kill jimmy doom for Gigi allen and Gigi was like cool kill him for me right and like so they would come to our shows at saint andrews and like and everybody knew and somebody would tell the bouncers like that chick's here to kill jimmy and they would just not let her in that's crazy and then eventually she just like stopped trying to kill me i don't know like you know i don't
1: know if she's even still alive Ugh. well somebody threw shit at my girlfriend i'd be upset but you go to a fucking Allen happen, show right? yeah
0: you go to a guar yeah. show you're going to get dirty you're going to get like blood yeah. and shit splattered <laughs> on you you go to an icp show you're going to get fago on you right you can't you can't get pissed yeah yeah you got right? a point you know yeah hey well Old punk You're bands right. used to, the crowd would spit on them. They would spit back.
1: How fucking weird is that? Like, where did that come from? I have no right idea. <laughs> that was before my time. I just saw, like, oh, I, think like I mean, I, think, still do I, I fucking...
0: think, I think, and I could be wrong, I think it was just American rock and roll audiences not liking the Sex Pistols and uh, spitting at them. Okay. And the Sex Pistols taking it, you know, just kind of going, all right, man, we're going to do our mm-hmm. thing. And then. You know, you would see it on footage of of bands in Britain, Yeah. where you know it looked like kids were fans of the band, but they were spitting. They were singing <laughs> the lyrics, but so spitting anyway.
1: <sighs> yeah, I never witnessed that. So, <clears throat>
0: yeah, the, the spitting yeah. thing wasn't really there. I, you know, we might have got spit at once or twice. I'm sure the Trash Rats did. I've been in Trash rat shows where people have thrown full fucking beer bottles
1: at. Oh them, yeah, you know. Yeah. Fuck, lots of crazy shows in Detroit like uh...
0: I know you you asked me I'm, I know I'm gonna be driving home and forget this great show or remember this great show that I forgot that I should have mentioned all the Murphy's Law shows were great yeah Um, you know just Jimmy a, a, oh and you know and Gangster Fun those guys always put on a, a really good show but oh best best show I ever saw I'm glad I remembered it the token was just a rock bar then out of the blue one summer 1986 Friday night and Saturday night there's bad brains and the chrome mags oh, in consecutive days fuck. at the token and I was working at a restaurant on the west side on Grand River Maria's pizzeria and I could only get one weekend night off and I, which one do I do, man? Do I do Bad Brains? I do the Chrome mags And I was like, huh? Bad Brains is Friday night. If I don't go to Bad Brains and something happens and the Chrome mags cancel because it's the Token Lounge, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I wind up seeing the Bad Brains and it's one of the best decisions of my life.
1: Holy shit. Yeah,
0: because I could have seen the Chrome mags a million times after that. Yeah. But Bad Brains didn't really tour that much after that, you know. And when they did, they played heavy reggae set. But Eye Against Eye tour, they played old shit, played some reggae. They played, like, stuff off uh, the, you know, Eye Against Eye, stuff oh, off yeah. uh, um, the early early records, played pay to come, you know. And, and yeah, that was – that Bad Brains at the Token was – Definitely the number one show as far as as small venue punk rock.
1: Fuck yeah, because I think the Tokens a great place. Um, oh yeah, but
0: well, back in back in the day, man, it was hair metal. Oh yeah, you know it yeah. was all Aquanet all the fucking <laughs> time. So you like you open the Metro Times, you're like, Bad Brains and Max in the same weekend. It's a fucking Token. Oh, okay, yeah, we're it's going to the Tokens. Place
1: down. Yeah, man, man it was yeah. great. No. No, I wish there was more hardcore shows. I know there used to be, you know, but not much <clears throat> before all the shit went down, but yeah. that is what it is. So, you said you're starting a movie next week?
0: Yeah, i yeah. I start you a Civil War it. movie, hence the beard. Ah! Yeah. And a uh, big bushy beard that I already ate, but... <laughs> i'm stuck with it for a while
1: yes how do you deal with the fucking beard man i can't this is about as long as i can my uh, job man yeah, like true, you know true yeah yeah
0: i i'd love to have a like a 14 inch tall purple mohawk all the time i really <laughs> but can't get too many acting gigs with yeah. that yeah and uh you know playing homeless guys and bikers and junkies has been very good to me
1: <laughs> well hey maybe fit the part no yeah um, man yeah um F- weren't you working at Corktown? Do oh, I got this wrong? Do you work at Corktown? I worked at In Corktown. Town town. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I was a bar- a bartending at Corktown. Yeah. yeah were yeah. you...
1: Did you stop working there, like, uh, after a switch, like, fucking management or whatever? Or were you still there? Yeah, I don't know they, what happened. There was everybody a, stopped going there. Because yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't been yeah, there since the Murphy's they, Law show.
0: Yeah, they they had a lot of, a lot of upheaval there. Yeah. And uh, guys like me and Jay, and, uh, yeah, we got... We got bum rushed out the door, and uh, yeah, it sucked. we had a great time while we were there, and there's some great shows oh, at Corktown, you know. Shows, and uh, the cool thing was, and it was right around this time of year, I booked a movie. Um, it was actually a it's actually a bit a biblical part of a biblical trilogy. Again, I had to have the beard. Right? It's called Chasing the Star, about the wise men following the star of Bethlehem to find the baby Jesus. Oh, shit. And I said to the producer, like, I get the schedule, and I was like, I can't fly out until late Sunday night because it's parade day. I have to bartend at Corktown
1: Tavern. Have to. Have to. I
0: mean, you're talking about four or five (laughs) hundred bucks in tips. Yeah, fuck yeah. On parade day. And... I get this phone call from the producer and she said, Sweetheart, the only flight I could get you to Arizona was 4 a.m. on parade day. I'm sorry. That's the flight. You either got to take it or you got to turn the film down. I was like, I'm not turning the film down. So I'm like, fuck. I got to tell Cork Down Tavern I can't work on parade day. And I'm sitting there Thinking about how I'm going to tell Corktown Tavern I can't work parade day, and they call me to tell me I'm fired, uh, and I'm like, "Well, not not the way I wanted to solve the problem, but
1: yeah. well, I mean,
0: it it, it worked fun, out. So I was in Arizona doing a movie,
1: <laughs> yeah." Well, speaking of Murphy's Law, that's the last time I seen them was there. I don't know. If yeah. Maybe, maybe 2016 is the last time they I seen them. They played Small since then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I that's the last time I seen them or even been to fucking Corktown, I believe. So, yeah. So, long time ago. Yeah,
0: that was the night that Jimmy did Jimmy Doom Don't Drink No More song. <laughs> you remember that? I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, before I not remember don't that, Don't right? Drink No More No More. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah I'm going to try to get him on here, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least to do like a Skype or like a Zoom meeting fucking because like he, he has would do it. a big you know, relationship with fucking Detroit you know all oh, the New yeah. York guys do so I hope just uh, the fact of getting a hold of, probably on Instagram would probably be the best yeah Satan's yeah, do it <laughs> and, uh, yeah he'd do it that's I, be fine. Mr. Professional didn't
0: turn his phone on yeah,
1: trust me that's my brother it happens almost every podcast time podcast land that's my brother <laughs> Call him so, back. No, that's okay. It Would have
0: been kind of funny to talk to my brother during a podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. is that uh, the brother who? I don't know if this story is right. Did he try out for Cola's life at one point? Because okay. Jeff you know, was telling me a story. He said, uh, "This is Jimmy true. Graham's little brother."
0: This is this is true. Whether people want to remember this or not, it, it, I'm not just saying it because it's my brother, but. There's a band called the Mattress Rats. Yeah. Playing around. We liked them. Cool band. Uh, and my brother introduced a guy named Ron Beauty to the guys in the Mattress Rats. And that's what became his Life. No shit. Yeah. My brother is the one who introduced Ron to those guys.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Man. Yeah. And- Small world.
0: I mean, and they played they played a couple of shows as the Mattress Rats before mm-hmm. they changed the name to, to Cold as Life.
1: Yeah, because it was the song Cold as Life, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: I think that was the first one that Ron wrote for him. If it wasn't the very first, it was one of them.
1: That's a crazy name. Cold as Life. You know, a lot of people, everybody loves them. Yeah. You know, the name and, you know, the fucking legacy of them. But, like.
0: Yeah, that was Ron's real life. Ron was one of the. He was the real friggin' deal, man. Yeah, that was a hardcore in the truest sense of the word, like rough life, tough kid, like street. He might have been from the suburbs, but you know, he was he he, he had a ton of street in him, and uh, he was a good guy. He was one of the most loyal friends in the world. Yeah, like I let him stay with me. We we had a place in River Rouge briefly, and he had nowhere to go. I was like, well, fuck Ron, you're not going to be homeless. Come stay with me. And then I hit a rough patch. ALD wasn't playing a lot. And, uh, um, I don't know. I was just a bad time in my life, but Ron was staying with us. Red, the drummer from SPLC was living with us. He was paying rent, but, um, and, and I was really depressed. And one night Ron shows up at like two 30 in the morning with a case of beer and a couple of subs for me that he fucking stole from Seven Eleven, Yeah. Here, brother. Thanks for, thanks for looking out for me, man. You know, yeah, I sat there at two 30 in the morning with Seven Eleven subs and a case of beer. And yeah, he That's was fucking crazy. Yeah. He was a good guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you hear lots of great stories. I know? mean, he was mean, <laughs> you know, he, he terrorized
0: a lot of people, but if he liked you, if you, you know, and he punched me in the mouth before, you know, so people go, oh, Ron, beat, me, beat me up. I was like, he's my friend. He beat me up, too. What do you want, man? It's, he's like that. It's, it comes with it.
2: Yeah.
0: You know? You want to be like, oh, I'm from Detroit, and then your bike gets ripped off, and you're like, oh, Detroit, Josh. Well, fuck you. You are all proud of Detroit. Yeah. yeah. You want to be Ron Beauty's friend? You're probably <laughs> going to get punched in the mouth at one time yeah, or
1: another. You want to call the police? Fuck you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
0: You don't want to call the fucking police.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever. No. no. Fuck. So you're hanging out there down the cast corridor with all those guys, you know, living it up down there. Did you live my down first, there? My
0: first apartment was in the Coronado. Yeah. When it was the corridor, Ooh. it was dope pavement and hookers for real, and like, if if Johns would be assholes to, to, to hookers and and people go, oh fuck, she's a Who cares, man? She's out there. She knows. No, fuck you. Some asshole drives down here from the suburbs and he wants something for nothing or you want some woman to do something that he's not willing to pay for or whatever, we'd let him up in our apartment, you know, cause we could see the fucking street from our apartment. Right. And, and just go, it was, uh especially I lived in a couple places there, but when we lived on the second floor, it was me, a guy named Dwayne. It was Dave Landrum, who was originally in son of Sam. Then he was in dance macabre and now he's in coven. And if a hooker got in a problem, you could see her in a screaming match with a John, We'd just, like, open the window. Come on, honey. Come on. And they'd come up, chill out in our apartment until the fucking... And we'd tell the John, go fuck off, you know? (laughs) And back then, like, 1984, 1985, fucking... You see, like... You see a couple guys with, like, Liberty Spike hair and mohawks and fucking and, and studded studded gloves. Like, these douchebag guys in, like, plaid overcoats and shit <laughs> were going, yeah, I'm out of here. Fuck this. <laughs> yes, for you sure. Know, I'm it's, not, it, it's not worth the blowjob that I'm not going to get anyway. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, the corridor was great, man. And there's so many clubs. Kurt Cole had a place called The Asylum. It's all like fancy bread shops and fucking croissants and shit now. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's where Rice the Titan, Raw Power, were supposed to play. And that show got broken up by the cops. Um, tons of great bands came through there. All the locals played there. Yeah.
1: And what about The Freezer? You ever been to The oh, Freezer? yeah, that was okay. like... No,
0: Freezer it? was just before my time. Oh, okay. I, always, I mean, I would see... I was, I was 15. I would see Flyers for the Freezer and want to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, But, like, I just couldn't. And my friends, like, you know, they'd go see a big national band like Black Flag or the Dead Kennedys. But, like, to just go to a, you know, local show. And we weren't... Minor Threat wasn't, wasn't on our radar yet then. Just after the Freezer and the clubhouse shut down. And that's when we kind of hit the scene. And, uh, but, I mean, there was a lot, like... The Unitarian Church had punk rock shows. Oh, no you could shit. see good fucking punk rock shows. I I think Poison Idea played there. I mean, not too many touring bands, but locals played there, like Angry Red Planet, and uh, and then in the on the Wayne State campus, there's a there's a, a club. Fuck, it was it wasn't even a club. It was just a storefront with nothing in it. There, were, like nothing. It was just like had. Plugs so bands could plug in and play. I mean seriously it was called the uncooperative and DRI played there. insane Fuck just yeah. insane wall-to-wall people it just yeah it was and the corridor had tons of great shit going on from the freezer to the clubhouse, the asylum um, and then there was another club called the Asylum, which is way dancier and way more upscale. but if you like them Neubotten played there. British... Like, oh, industri- oh, yeah, okay. or British, No, yeah. German industrial... Not fucking British. <laughs> German industrial band. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. not me.
1: <laughs> but fucking... I mean... Just... I can go ahead and say it's not the same anymore, right? Detroit. But you can make
0: it the same. I, yeah. I get it. I mean, not the same. You can make it what you want it to be. Somebody can put the effort in. Somebody can call Mike at Smalls and say... I want to book these eight bands on a Tuesday night, yeah. right? There's a, there's really nothing stopping people from doing it, you know. There's there's plenty of property all over Detroit that somebody could could buy or rent and throw basement shows if they wanted
1: to. Sure. People have done
0: it, man. The Sanctuary started as just a storefront club. Oh
1: yeah, it's a fucking great place. Yeah, great place.
0: It just takes somebody who wants to do it. People, oh man, I wish we had a freezer. Well, you know what? Brandon and all his friends wish they had a freezer, so they fucking made one. You know, you you just have to do it. You know, the DIY, the verb in DIY is do. Just, you know, get your friends together, pull some fucking money, take a chance. You know, you can sit there with your thumb in your ass all day long and go, Oh man, that must have been cool. I wish. We'll fucking do something about it. You know? Yeah. So if, if somebody called me and said, hey man, we're trying to do, we're trying to put shows on here, and do all ages shows, we're trying to do this, or we need, you know, I would fucking help out. Jay Navarro would help out. You know, pe- people would help out, but you have, like, people have to put some effort in. You know? The sanctuary exists because somebody put a whole fuck of a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and if you don't have what you want in life, you have to create it. That's the punk rock ethos completely right there. It's plain as day. You know, not that he set out to do this, but fucking Ian McKay made himself a fucking millionaire by saying, I'm going to do this the way
1: I want to do it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. And,
0: and it's doable, man. Yeah.
1: God damn it.
0: It, it, is, it, it is doable when this when this pandemic clears and people will be throwing money at small businesses trying to stimulate the economy everybody just got 1400 bucks man yeah right and you know now's the time for people to go hey we want a fucking venue you know we want to invest in a small PA you know like you can pool money because they just handed you handed you 1400 bucks I realize people have responsibilities and all that crap but
1: Fuck. Yeah. It sounds way easier when you talk about it too, because I sit there and it's hard. I, and it's a I wish, and it's I wish, I yeah. wish, but, yeah. you, but you, but you can do it. Yeah, I've never even thought about like what it takes to go and like booking a show. Like
0: somebody somewhere has an uncle who's got a fucking building, they ain't using, <laughs> yeah. right? That'll go. Oh, it, you want to give me four hundred bucks a month for this building that's sitting there empty? And then you have the internet now. We didn't have the internet. We had to have Noir Leather. We had to have off the record. We had, you know, we had to have Cinderella's attic, fucking places where you gathered and you and you found information. This generation, you put something out on the internet, you can get fifty kids to come to your show.
2: Yeah, fuck.
0: The problem is there's a there's a lot of competition, but if you want to do it, you you can do it, and if it doesn't work, you try something different. The freezer didn't last that long, right? Oh, yeah. You know, between the freezer and the clubhouse, there couldn't have been more than. Fifty shows, and that might be on the high side.
1: No shit, you know.
0: So, but they did it. They, they and that—that's what created the scene, you know. And and yeah, just sort of yeah.
1: dominoed from there. Yeah, and <laughs> people carrying the torch and doing what they loved and. You yeah, know, and then the years. next
0: thing you know, Dead Kennedy's is selling out Harpo's fucking two thousand
1: fucking people,
0: right? Yeah, man. You know, I mean, that wasn't the intended consequence, but yeah, yeah there's yeah, you can you can do it. It's better to, to to you know to do something and fail, yeah, or, or have to try over three sure. times, have to leave a venue than to sit around going, I wish I had this. You know, and you're watching Decline Western Civilization in your basement. You know? Yeah,
1: for the fuck punk rock way. Do it yourself, right? Yeah. You do it, done, it yourself. Do it yourself. I going to think about that. It's like. There's a lot of bands and a lot of talent, but it seems like even before the pandemic, it was really, really kind of. Uh, not bottomed out because there were still shows and stuff, but it wasn't as much as it used to be, in my opinion. Well, because there's so many bars that were willing to put yeah. bands that we back in the day
0: if there's a punk show in town there's one now you have shit competing you know oh yeah like three bands will be in ham three bands will be in wyandotte you know there'd be a band downtown and a band in fucking pontiac you know like where do we go and it's yeah it's it's popularity killed some of it you know it, For sure. it, it got too big but it, 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 it's still there, you know. It still is. You can still have a great time at a 442 show, you know. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's what you make it. I know that's a fucking cliche and I hate cliches, but. That makes yeah. sense, though. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know, man. Buy my book. Yeah.
0: Yeah, your book. Buy my fucking being... <laughs> book. It's on Amazon. It's at Bookbeat in Oak Park. Um,
1: I'm have to get a copy myself. Those, uh, like, I've seen some of the stories uh, people read them online, and then the few you did. I'm gonna get one myself. Let's go on Amazon and f- fucking click.
0: Yeah, go to and Jimmy. To yes Jimmy Doom. Humans being a story a day for a year. You right. can put it on your toilet tank. You know, <laughs> yeah, read one, yeah, you read three one story you every shit. time you take a <laughs> shit. You know, yeah. I don't know, maybe three stories every time you take a well,
1: shit. Well, I, I, I get to it i will get through it in six months then. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I'll have a new one out in eight months, maybe.
1: You plan on doing another one? Are you already working I, on it? I, yeah,
0: I'm already working on it. If, cool. um, if anybody wants to read short fiction, I publish every day on Jimmy Doom's Roulette Wheel on Substack.com. Okay. S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K, Substack.com.
1: You fucking heard that, people. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll just end it, man. Right on. Thanks like, for having me. Thank you for coming over. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> <laughs> cool. man. All right, let's stop it. Stop that one. That's the hard part, isn't it?